Welcome back to part two of my review on Mortal Kombat Annihilation. We're going to start off today actually with the technical ratings. Um, this is a last second decision by me, so we'll see how this goes. But I'm going to start there and then do the walkthrough so I don't feel like I'm holding anyone hostage to listen to me walk through the movie just to get to this portion. So let's start off with the acting in this movie. Acting. Where Mortal Kombat 1 succeeded in, like, um, injecting character into some of their characters, despite the poor acting and despite, like, the somewhat funny but also somewhat stupid side comments made by characters, which Annihilation does too. Um, but in Annihilation, it, there is no injection of character. The acting is even more hammy in this one, which I kind of enjoy, but the performances are empty. My gut number is 2.5. A lot of the acting in this movie could be matched by some random person who once starred in Backdoor Skanks 6. However, a lot of the writing for this movie would also be acceptable as a script for such a movie. So between the dialogue and what I think is a lack of direction on set, I'm going to give the acting a 3.5 out of 10. A few tweaks, and I think this could have been a very fun, hammy, and yes, poorly acted movie. Instead, the acting is not so fun. I mean, it's still very poorly acted, and it's still quite hammy. However, the hamminess just feels like an accident rather than being a conscious decision. Like, it kind of came through as in uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Sound design. I found the movie easier to listen to and like easier to hear everything that's going on in comparison to the first one, which is very important because there is a lot that goes on in each scene. So the more that I can catch, the better, I guess. Not that it matters in this one. The soundtrack is still quite fun. Of course, they do get to reuse the theme song from the first one. However, there are some very poor parts in the soundtrack as well. Like, not the music itself, just uh, kind of how it's edited in. And I will be altering the score with an editing knock later. So, I keep that in mind for several of these scores that I gave. I won't downgrade the design too much for it, is what I'm saying at this moment. Because it'll come back to bite anyways. 5.5 out of 10 for me from sound design. It's fine. Production design. You can give me crap for this all day, but I really don't think that there's a big drop in the quality of the sets or the, the vision of the world that, that we're fighting in, Earth, from MK1 to MK2. There are some weird choices and some props that get compromised, like, say, some weaponry sometimes. Um, but I'm still going to give this a 4.85 out of 10. In my review on Mortal Kombat 1, I brought up a certain Nickelodeon-like quality to a lot of the costumes and some of the set. And I brought up as two examples, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps, as to what I was kind of meant to give you a visualization. Well, one of those two, and I think it is Goosebumps, definitely has a much hokier, um, dumbed-down prop department. They're not as scary, and, you know, it's more just like a loose mask instead of maybe makeup and, and a mask uh, stuff applied. So the prop, the prop budgets were not the same between the two. Mortal Kombat Annihilation tends to be of similar quality to Goosebumps, um, or whichever 
of the two had the worst prop design. You get what I'm saying. Cinematography. If I haven't said it yet, in all aspects of filmmaking and all aspects of the end product that we got, this movie is always trying to do things. It just doesn't have any reason behind why it is doing the things that it is doing. And I think that statement is definitely true for the cinematography as well. These guys wanted to show off that they could do things. And maybe they thought that they had like some motivation between behind, I should say, like why they made some of the decisions that they did. But if so, they still weren't thinking big picture. Decisions were made without thought to the overall vision, which there probably wasn't a vision for this movie. So some credit is given merely to some level of competency at the helm, but that's about it. My deductions to the overall score will definitely offset this score too, but I don't want to knock the movie twice. So I'm going to give the cinematography a 4 out of 10. It is okay. I should mention a lot of the CGI sucks ass. Uh, so does a fair amount in Mortal Kombat 1, although this is even worse. At its worst, it's worse. And there's more of it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the group that was working on the CGI was either very, very rushed, or they had no idea what they were actually doing. Tough to tell. Kind of sucks. Right. The righty is terrible it feels like there were either too many cooks in the kitchen or there was no chef in the kitchen so there's so many things that i've talked about and more and what i will talk about later in this review i'm going to give writing a 2.8 out of 10 i do think that the structure that they were attempting to go for in this film is a a part of why even though it is empirically not a better movie than Mortal Kombat 1, as it stands today, I'd almost prefer to throw this movie on over its predecessor. And for reason 2, part B, I think it was the correct decision. More fights, uh, have them a little bit more evenly dispersed throughout the movie. No, you know, I don't mind that decision, but most all the fights are just like momentary teases and they fill at least one of, if not several, of the following boxes. The fight goes on for too long. The fight gets interrupted. There is no conclusion to the fight. We don't see any of the hits land in these fights. Silly special effects are used. And thus there is a lack of weight in this movie. Um... You don't see, as the realms are merging, like, people should be dying. There's no evidence of any humankind. And so when the movie does begin to get you sucked in at times, you know, a terrible line of dialogue is stated or any one of those boxes and others that I missed gets checked and it just resets your emotions. Like, it never takes advantage of when it potentially has your attention because... There's a lot of little moments that get your attention. How does Action films. But let's also keep in mind that this is a game-to-movie adaptation, and as I spoke about in my review on Mortal Kombat 1, 
Hollywood was struggling to figure out how to adapt games to film. And in Mortal Kombat 1, that they, they felt like they'd kind of figured it out. They cracked the code. So they threw a little more money into this movie. They learned some lessons along the way. They learned to limit the amount of characters, you know, especially the ones who don't really matter to the story. And they learned not to worry so much about creating the storyline and instead focusing on the characters and what it is that the fans like about the video game property itself, which at that point in time was definitely not going to be the storyline. However, in the case of this movie, they decided we need more characters, a lot more of them. We also need a bunch of confusing subplots to give the people something to chew on. Floor plan. I'm giving Annihilation a 4 out of 10 uh, in comparison to action. kind of gets that little bump because it was a... I don't know. Personally, I think like it's doing an okay at adapting a video game into a movie form. Some of the lore that they created stuck to the franchise. It is, however, at the bottom rung of like theatrically released action films. That's that's also a truth. Total enjoyment factor. Very simply put, if I had to toss this or the first Mortal Kombat movie on, like while I had company over, I think we'd get more fun out of laughing at this movie than we would get out of whatever states of joy that we may receive from the first movie. There's a little less nostalgia uh, for me for this movie. You know, that's because this, it just wasn't as good. It's not like I was too old for as being in the target audience. I was at the younger end. So let's go with a 5.8 out of 10. Editing. We know I don't normally talk about this, but uh, I reserve the right to just give this give movies a little extra knock for reasons and. As I alluded to before, I'm coming here for that. And so I'm stepping in here and I'm going to deduct a half point from the total score of this film for the editing. Although I do think the editor probably started off at a disadvantage. The results still suck and a better edited film would have made for a better project uh, product. I'm also going to discount, take away an extra quarter point to a deduction for its overuse of recycling film uh, for extending like scenes and to insert in multiple entirely different scenes to save money whatever all of the reasons behind it might be um it's terrible you know the movie was an hour and 35 minutes long they extended the wrong times and they cut away at the wrong times <laughs> like terrible job of editing overall so let's recap all of that uh, all the scores are out of 10. Acting gave it a 3.5. Sound design gave it a 5.5. Production design, I gave it a 4.85. Cinematography, I gave it a 4. Writing, I gave it a 2.8. In comparison to action films as a whole, uh, 4. My total enjoyment factor, uh, 5.8. It's almost the same as what it was from Mortal Kombat 1, but not quite. And we add them up and we divide that by 7, which brings us to a 4.35 out of 10. However, we deduct a 0.75 away from that, a half point and an extra quarter point for other major issues, we'll call it. And the official podcast score for Mortal Kombat Annihilation is a 3.6 out of 10.
Coming up next will be uh, me going kind of beat through beat through the movie, and you'll get the chance to kind of understand how I came to a 3.6 out of 10 on this movie. There will be more analysis into a lot of the stuff that I've spoken about in part one, and, you know, backing up my scores, I suppose, as well as enjoying what... 12 seconds later. Trying to celebrate the movie for what it is. Hey dude, sorry, it's me again. I was just wondering, could you tell me more about the movie? The movie starts right off with the popular Mortal Kombat theme track, and it even recycles the same introduction, like the same title screen as the first movie used. It's the same one. And they also include some footage from the first movie to begin this movie, and we get a voiceover which recaps the events of Mortal Kombat 1, which is where this movie begins, right at the end of the events of MK1. Because how on this Earth realm could we have understood this movie without a recap of the first movie? There is a portal that is open from the Outworld realm to the Earth realm. A bunch of ninjas drop from the skies coming from the Outworld. Very reminiscent of our lovely putty friends from Power Rangers. Uh, just uh, super used in the late 80s, early 90s, stereotypical uh, extra no-name bad guy. <laughs> so we also get introduced to several new bad characters. Round 1. Raiden versus Shao Kahn. Things happen and Johnny Cage goes to save Sonya Blade. More things happen, and Johnny Cage is dead. In six days, you will all bow to me! It has begun! That's the plot. The Earth Realm will be extinguished in a matter that is the exact opposite of the Book of Genesis in the Bible. He even said some line about, and on the seventh day... So, uh, yeah, referencing stuff here. The main bad people dip out, just out of the way here, and then Raiden, Sonya Blade, Katana, and Luke Kang, for some reason, all run away from these numerous nameless ninjas, the putties, that were left to hang around. Cutscene. Before we move forward, I'd like to mention that First of all, the CGI in the entire opening scene is somehow worse than the CGI in the first movie's opening. I think that would be due to some green screen work that is ever so terrible throughout this whole movie. Which is something that I believe I cut out of my Mortal Kombat 1 review. But I think it needs to be mentioned now. In the first movie, the sky looks terrible right in the opening scene. And they decided to reuse that same style of graphic again in this movie. And on top of that, then there's a million other technical issues going on, so, uh, we cutscene. Exposition Man. Raiden explains things, and... Come must be stopped or your world will perish. We have six days until annihilation. The title of the movie. Ooh. Thanks for explaining that one to us. If not for that line, I would have been so confused as to why they chose the title, Annihilation. So, Exposition Man finishes his pep talk. Each of you must grow stronger. 
Together, we are the only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The gang has to use this Earth-sized bowling ball return system to ride on these human-sized gerbil or hamster exercise balls, where they can reach anywhere on Earth within a matter of hours. So I guess it's really no better than a plane, but hamster balls instead. Liu Kang and Katana ride together. We join along for the ride with them as we get some useless exposition in an attempt to explain how this system of tunnels works. This is amazing. It's the hot air rising from the Earth's core. We harness this energy. In case you were wondering. What's going on? Where are we? The interchange. Roll to your right. Hard. And then it gets weird as for some reason Liu Kang needs to hold on to Katana because the ride's getting too bumpy for him. They try to force this love story into this movie. Unlike in the first movie which wisely cut that out of its movie. They should have done the same thing here. So the good guys have broken up and uh, gone a couple of separate ways. We catch up with the bad guys. As we get some of their exposition, Shao Kahn does a dramatic front flip for no logical reason. The second bad guy in this scene is some mysterious guy in a robe. Khan calls him Father. I like to call him Emperor Palpatine. Who would have guessed? The bad guys have decided not to sit back and allow themselves to be beaten. They will fight back. What a twist! I mean, sure, they started the fight, but at least we know that they're going to continue. Oh, okay. Liu Kang and Katana are a thing. Not sure when we got to this point in their relationship, but they're going in for a kiss and... Round two. Smoke versus Liu Kang. The soundtrack comes blaring through and the fight is... Okay. Sorry, we had to take a break just to sit here and watch Katana fight these three nameless ninja guys. A few more putties. Well, it's all done in slow motion, too, so it takes a little while. And we're back to the main fight. <laughs> that was not a real backflip. And nor did the momentum of that kick make any sense according to the laws of physics. Well, we, we know now that uh, strings will be used on this set and physics will be ignored. We have a late entrant. Sub-Zero comes flying in looking like a Mary Poppins motherfucker and freezes smoke. Round three, Liu Kang versus Sub-Zero. Sorry for this interruption. It turns out that Sub-Zero's brother is on the Earthrealm's side. Back to you. Oh, well, uh, round two, over, uh, no winner. You must go. There will be others. You killed my older brother. So why did you help us? I helped her. Because legend has it, the princess is the key to stopping Khan's plot. You've been following us. Why? 
Two days ago, Khan reprogrammed Smoke to come after you instead of me in order to keep you apart from Queen Sindel. All right. So how do we get to Nightwolf now? We have a common enemy, Sub-Zero. You must help us with your powers if you want to stop Khan. Katana just called him Sub-Zero. So I guess both brothers go by the same name? So it's a bit complex. Uh, basically, it is a movie error. This is actually the Sub-Zero that was killed in the first movie since in the first movie he's Sub-Zero. And in this movie, um, his younger brother... Hold up. Okay. Sub-Zero is the younger brother of a guy named Noob Saibot. The same guy that this character says he's the younger brother of. So he is Sub-Zero. I killed you in the tournament. You killed my older brother. However, he said he wasn't killed by Liu Kang in the first movie, which that would be wrong, because that was Sub-Zero. And we know that's the correct error, I suppose, because Noob Saibot also shows up in this movie. So, that's that. Which makes our breaking news lady incorrect. That was not Sub-Zero's brother, like I believed. Like the movie says. <laughs> so that, that's Sub-Zero. Breaking news lady. The news, fake news. Fake news. Round three. Actually this time. Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. So there is an overload of an unnecessary number of flips going on, and the same can be said with the use of all this slow motion that continues to be used. It's all a bit much, but so far the fight scenes honestly have been okay. There is no winner or loser in this fight. Uh, Scorpion steals Princess Katana. I guess this 10,000-year-old fighter who's got clout for days just cannot defend herself or helpless Princess Katana. We get introduced to Jax, and I'm not sure what happened, but Sonya Blade is running down this strange-looking hospital? Or maybe it's a lab? Jax has some new metal arms. He's got superhuman strength, yo. I'd complain about the story not making sense as Raiden came along specifically to help Sonya Blade, yet he just watches as a portal from the Outworld realm opens up directly above the facility where Sonya is running into to get Jax, which is, he came to help her get Jax, but... Round four. Yellow Robot Ninja Guy versus... We see these windows shatter for legitimately 15 seconds. That's a long time to watch a single set of windows shattering for. Slow motion. Death is the only way out. Major Briggs. Sonya Blade, Shao Kai will be clean. Shao what? I'll take home, boy. Jax! I believe Yellow Robot Ninja Guy is Cyborg? Editor me, 12-year-old me, are both 
just ashamed to even admit they know me. That character's Cyrax. Duh. There's a lot more spinning around in circles and some flips again. And Sonya Blade wins. Even though this was Cyborg or Yellow Ninja Guy versus Jax, I'm noticing a pattern. And also, besides some of the early effects in this movie, here at around the 25 minute mark is the first or maybe the next time since the start of the movie where I'm seeing some CGI that is very much inexcusably bad. Followed up with this little CGI dragon that leaves the yellow robot ninja guy's body like through a tattoo that's on him and it flips around in this full little loop and then it zaps out of existence. A motion that you will see done with this exact same animation copied and pasted several more times later on in the movie. And oh my god, the fire effects again. What are these special effects? That has got to be some like free software stock fire effect that they're just very poorly splicing into these shots on some green screen. It's all terrible. We meet back up with the bad people and I'm not I'm not sure what's going on. Shao Kahn once again kills one of his own a gray ninja before his death. Rain, if you can catch that in the movie, does inform us that the two guys that we've seen lose in combat so far are named Cabal and Striker. Okay, so I left myself little notes actually when I recorded originally to like editor me come and pop in at these points. Um, this one's weird. Uh, <clears throat> I wonder what the actual wording is in the movie, but yeah, Cabal, I. This is why I left myself a note. I didn't remember seeing Cabal and Striker. They're not in this movie. I don't know why this character brings them up at this point. When we have seen, like, two people die, but um, they aren't the two that he's talking about right now. The two we saw die, which have not been named in the movie, were Cyrex and Smoke. Duh. Clearly, the movie doesn't think we really need to know these characters' names in due time, so I don't care either. From now on... If I don't know the names, blame the movie, not me. The bad folks of combat need to promote a new general, says Shao Kahn. It is true this will never happen again. It is also true I need a new general. Bad boy Centaur pleads his case. Bad girl Goro pleads her case. And... Bad Thing Scorpion pleads its case. You're all far too impetuous for such important work. Then Katana's mom gives Shao Kahn some sex eyes, and he's digging it. You are my new general queen, Sindel. Unless anyone else has a different point of view. Sindel, that's her name. Those two give each other fuck me eyes, and then Shao exits screen left. Cutscene. Two. Alright, we're in a desert. Um, why are we here? Who knows? It's nighttime now, and we hear wolves howling. It's all spooky. They use a first person perspective angle from the camera as a wolf attacks Liu Kang. Round five. Liu Kang. Eh, you know what? We, we probably 
shouldn't count this one as a fight. Um, there is some great use of some slow motion effects. Yet, a, yet again, uh, the filmmakers are really trying to force some emotion into every moment of this movie. Every scene must be impactful. And so the wolf CGI transforms into this Native American looking foe. Um, I can't remember his name. So I'm going to call him the Wolf Man. And he's got a tomahawk that glows green with some mysterious energies. And he knocks Liu Kang out with it. And he says, sweet dreams, Liu Kang. And then Liu is feverishly tripping out. He's like dreaming. He's going on a spiritual journey. He's working with his inner demons. So Liu Kang apparently isn't over the whole thing with his brother uh, dying. And even though that was the entire point of the first film. And, and now he also feels guilt for allowing the helpless Katana get captured. Uh, so he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. And Wolfman is getting Liu Kang to tap into his inner animality. It's in quotes in all caps. Animality. We get a nice little CGI glimpse of some dragon scales growing around Kang's eyes as he snaps back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. And a mysterious lady approaches Liu Kang as he's just getting out of this fog and he's just getting up to his feet. I don't even think he gets to his feet. And it's snowing now in the desert. And she strips down to this very simple top and bottom. It's like a loincloth style on swimsuit i suppose and they make out this is almost too good to be true the same could be said about you but lu kang resists no This bitch gets rejected by Liu Kang, and guess what? Round five. Liu Kang versus... I'm not sure who this is. Who is she? What the fuck is this movie? So, they're fighting, and then she's about to lose, and then this happens. First you betrayed me. Now you laugh. You are even more pure and faithful than I heard. You have passed the test, Luke King. A test? Uh, sure. This was just another one of Nightwolf's crazy tests? That's what this is. We could have killed each other! Hey, Lou. Check out above you. The clouds wrote gullible. Cutscene. And we're back with the bad folks of combat. We see Katana as Shao Kahn's prisoner. She spits wine in his face. So kill me now. Foolish. Oh look, Shao Kahn forgot his line for a moment. Child. Foolish. Crap, crap, crap. What was that line? Oh right, child. Foolish. Child. We catch up with Jackson, Sonya Blade. Um, he gets jealous at the mention of this Johnny guy that Sonya Blade is talking about. Jax gets jealous. Sonya walks off on her own and comes across the new stage level. On the beach, first person's perspective shot again as two daggers are coming at Sonya Blade from behind. Round six, Sonya Blade versus Katana? No, Katana's mom? No, 
some lady. We get some more flips and some wiggles and there's some mud. Yeah, that's right. We get a mud fight between these two ladies. Sonya Blade wins. CGI tattoo animation on this lady. Gets copied and pasted off of this tattoo on her back and vanishes. And then we get this reptile looking dude. A CGI monster. Although the CGI here actually looks better if you were to directly compare it to the reptile in MK1. And it's very similar effects they're using, but they just dulled down the uh, color a little bit. Round 7. Jax vs. CGI Monster. It's a 13 or 14 punch combo from Jax. And he follows that up with a people's elbow right to the dome. Speed round. 10 seconds. As Jax wins that fight. Flawless victory. Jax tries hitting on his work partner, telling her that she looks good in that mud. But you do look good in mud. Jax. What do you do? Uh, yeah, you, you miss every shot that you don't take, I guess. For the record, Jax's fight was five seconds shorter than both the glass shattering scene that we uh, explored and the scene coming next, where we watch Raiden walking around with his arms like sticking out from his sides and his palms. The sweaty, knees weak, robe is heavy, there's lightning in his eyes already. Hair's too long and he's nervous, his mortality is all that he's got. Yeah, I definitely went off beat there. I ain't no Eminem. Raiden walking around with his arms like sticking out from his sides and his palms facing us and kind of like welcoming us into his cult for roughly 25 seconds. So he's praying to his deity, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, he speaks to his board of directors, um, the exposition gods. Exposition gods. And basically, they inform Raiden that in order to save humanity, he has to be willing to lose his immortality. Sonya Blade and Jax... Cutscene, sorry. Sonya Blade and Jax bump into Liu Kang and... Uh, who is she? Jade. Jade. It's about time that we find out who she is. Jax hits on Jade too. Major Jackson Bridge. You've got an incredible set of legs. Our good guys are concerned, but do not fear, for Raiden is here. He went to the barber, possibly hired a stylist as well, and... Hey, Raiden's looking fresh. I suppose that means that he gave up his immortality. Who's the girl? Raiden is not aware of who Jade is either. Sus. And he also decides to comment on her physique, too. Can she fight as good as she looks? Sus. The bad people show up and Raiden's powers are weakening. Katana's mom, Zindal, I remembered her name. Well, actually, I, I didn't while watching the movie. Let's out this amazing shriek that sends a deafening sound-induced shockwave that is slowly going through the valley wall towards our good people. Just in the nick of time, Raiden is able to build a gateway and escort the group to safety. I guess he's like slowly losing his... Powers. And then the evil king and queen, Shao Kahn and Zindel, they just play it off like, that was the plan, yo. They didn't actually want to kill the good guys right now. Duh. <sighs> that was fun. They have taken the bait and fallen right into our trap. Receive this plan.
Duh. In case you've forgotten, the realms are merging, which is obviously causing issues and causing the deaths of many innocent people, although there's no signs of anybody. Um, as that process furthers on throughout these several days, I guess. And Jade is continuing to be the leader of this crew, leading them to somewhere. And Liu Kang just trusts this woman, but uh, the others seem to be questioning whose side this stranger could be on. Like any common... They don't even know that they fought, like that she tried killing Liu Kang and they're sus of her. So or she's sus to them, however that works. But like any normal individual in this circumstance would be like, I mean, Liu Kang should be the one who's at least... Round 8. Raiden vs. Zindao. This is the fight that everyone references when they talk about the fight scenes in this movie, having a lot of jumping around and gymnastics over like any actual fighting. And as you've noticed, I've definitely described the fight scenes with those kinds of verbs and, you know, other similar terminology. But the fights, I think, have still been decently entertaining. The thing is that this fight is versus three reptiles. No, wait. Two reptiles. Or one reptile, I guess. Regardless. Reptile is a very jumpy guy, so it makes sense that this fight wound up being the epitome of all that is wrong with the fight scenes in general in this movie. And you combine that with the propensity to use those, all these slow motion effects and the fact that Raiden is losing his special powers. At this stage, Raiden's not much more than a talented martial artist. So this action scene, it essentially drags on. This would also probably be a good time to mention... Have you noticed that a lot of the fights don't have definitive resolutions? And often they involve more characters than just one, and sometimes like a third entrant comes in and finishes the fight anyways. And in fact, I don't know that if, if there's been a single fight that has been like a one-on-one -on -one type format the entire way through this movie so far. But what happened to Zendel? I thought this fight was between Raiden and herself. Something finally went right for a change. We won. Who finished off Sindel? After she blasted you, I surprised her from behind. Maybe she didn't come in handy after all, huh? As Jax wraps his soft metal arms right around Jag. Get it, boy! Also, I'm calling bullshit on Jade. So, I guess... Right. It's being postponed. Raiden did defeat Reptile, though, so we'll count that. Lou reaches Katana, but before he can get her out of her canary cage... Round 9. Lu Kang versus... Goosebumps mask wearing motherfucker, Baraka. The mask that they used for Baraka sucks. A couple more Baraka-looking characters join in the fight, and there's a lot of swinging from chains and some more flipping, and it's pretty um, it's a pretty unsatisfying ending. I think they splice in some film from earlier again, and Liu Kang wins. Round ten, Garly. We are sorry to interrupt again, but this fight has been canceled. I repeat, this fight has been canceled. It was seen that a chandelier has fallen and crushed Goro Lady. That's all. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So, uh, 
the good folks are holding a funeral for Zendel in the middle of all this mayhem. Zendel opens her eyes, uh, revealing that she is not dead, and reveals some plot about... I'm s still not sure what's really going on. Um, but the entire realms are merging, uh, and they're trying to prevent that. But surprise, surprise, Jade, how could you do this? It's over. You fools. You've been tricked. The legend was a lie. Khan's portal stayed open. Now the merger is nearly complete. How could you do this to us? It was so easy. You will die for this, Jade. Oh well. I kept recording because I thought that she would explain herself, but I guess it was just really easy. It was so easy. No need to explain. Katana's mom does a bunch of spinning around, like um, Storm from the X-Men movies. I th think I'm thinking of the time that Halle Berry was Storm. Anyways, Jade sneaks off while Zydel, Zindel spins manically. Zindel? Zindel. So, our good guys run away, and they regroup immediately. And uh, they notice that Raiden has a tattoo on him. It is the same tattoo that we've seen that little CGI dragon leave from and do its little flippity-bippity, and then it disappears. We've seen it twice now. Raiden explains that it is a passport between realms. It is actually his family crest. Uh, so, both of those Shao Kahn soldiers um, had day passes. The, the tats were faked. Those two were frauds. And this also leads us to a link between Raiden and Shao Kahn. Those two are brothers. And back to the bad guys. Cutscene. A very similar CGI mass m monster to the one that Jax manhandled before comes out of the wall and eats Jade. It burps. Uh, they constantly kill their strongest bad allies. I'm not sure who the hell would want to work for this organization. They will kill you if you don't die in battle, so sort of like a lose-lose company to work for, if you ask me. Alright, so um, it's all built up to this moment. Liu Kang, Jax, Sonya Blade, and Katanya all walk towards battle versus evil pony boy Shao Kahn, fire version of Scorpion, and Queen Katana's mom, Zindel. Uh, Raiden's dad, Senor El Emperor Palpatine. So many familial connections. Some Star Wars level of relationships going on. Uh, Shao Kahn is Raiden's brother. Uh, wait, we already knew all this stuff. This is, these are not big reveals. Um, so that's if we were playing close enough attention at least and then Raiden gets killed by Shao Kahn and this makes the good people very angry so it's taken about three minutes but it appears the actual fighting is about to begin there's like 20 minutes left in this movie Fight. after about six minutes of me fighting we get the payoff from the trippy dream that Liu Kang had earlier. 
Remember, he's supposed to get in touch with his animality. A big old butt ugly CGI dragon is his animality. And guess who else can transform into something? Shao Kahn turns into a big ass butt ugly Hydra. And boy, do the effects look silly during the transformation. Bigger is not always better. Uh, the fighting between these two abominations is boring, and then before much time passes, the two return to their normal forms. Something is happening. The movie gets ultra-dramatic as Shao Kahn and his dad, also Raiden's dad, also known as Emperor Palpatine, appear to summon forth his own mother and father, as they announce... So, Emperor Palpatine's mother and father. As they announce... The fate of the universe will be decided as it should be. Immortal combat. Liu Kang wins and the Earth Realm is returned to normal. Copy and paste the little CGI tattoo effect, except this time, guys, let's make it a little bit bigger. Since, you know, like, this guy, Shao Kahn, he was, uh, he was pretty much near the top of the evil people food chain in this movie, so... Make it bigger and then just hit copy-paste. Alright. The Royal Rumble took 13 minutes and had several interruptions throughout the entire thing. Nothing stood out as great. The giant CGI monsters were supposed to be the big spectacle of the fight, and they just looked too shitty, even at the time they looked shitty. Um, all in all, the fighting was okay, if not a bit boring. So, as we come to a conclusion, we see CGI bubbling Terminator 1000 liquid metal, as well as some bubbling fiery effects, um, some more copy and pasted free effects from this free software. We've seen these effects already in this movie, and both of them are hovering over Raiden. I'm pretty sure that they are his grandparents for reasons that go beyond what I've talked about. It appears he has become one of them, so he's not really dead anymore. He is uh, now in, I think they call it an eternal god. I think. I, um, I, I don't know. None of that really matters. M movie over. Get ready for the third installment in uh, about 24 years. And before we end this episode, I have one more point that I had wanted to talk about. So saved it for the end here. I think I know what the original script for this movie may have been going for. Basically, I think that it may have been written as like a big mystery. Where at the end, we find out all these connections between Raiden and Shao Kahn. You know, all the familiar familial things that are going on which leads to those two being our big end battle i mean they are like gods so if you're going to step up the movie from the first movie why not have the stronger people be the end battle so throughout the film we are constantly shuffling through who is going to get the honor of the big fight versus shao Kahn. these questions present themselves in this movie but they're buried you know is it sonia blade because of what shao Kahn did to her lover johnny or is it Katana for what he did to her mother? Or is it Liu Kang because he's our main protagonist in MK1 and that was a successful movie and he needs to overcome his doubts again? 
Is it Jax? Well, no, clearly not him. Uh, or, dun dun dun, is it Raiden? Holy shit. Holy shit. Shao Kahn is his brother. Big reveal, but he's trying to kill Raiden. Oh, and that means what? Raiden's dad is also trying to get him killed? He's working with his brother to get him killed? That's fucked up. And there's a lot of Star Trek's or Star Wars, sorry, things that you can pull out of this movie where you can say that that, that's definitely potentially the original script. So instead what happens is we got a bunch of rewrites. Uh, Like we learned earlier, there's five um, writers attributed to this uh, script. So people get their grubby little paws into the mix and, you know, they say that we need this and we need that. We need this to be Liu Kang's story again, so you have to scrap other stories and we need, we need, we need, and it just muddles down the whole movie into this unedible mess of stuff that, that someone has to work with. Imagine if we had all those great reveals going on at the end of the movie and instead... They're just info dumped along the way, and sometimes you can barely catch the information because there are so many different little storylines going on that it's tough to know what is important and what is just happening in the moment, what's not important. And I think that's kind of the biggest flaw of this movie. Like, there might have been a decent script to begin with. But uh, 3.6, yo, not very good.